Hey, you guys, welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. Um, Today's topic, we are going to have a really real conversation um, about a topic that is a little more serious than maybe some of ours in the past. But today we're going to talk about how to be kindness for people who are experiencing grief. And it's such an important conversation because you've heard Melody and I say it before, when we know better, we do better. And... I know for me, it can be really hard or awkward to to be so consumed with not saying the wrong, the wrong that I don't want to say the wrong thing to somebody mm-hmm. that I end up saying nothing at all. Um, and I don't know how to handle that when I'm clumsy. And so I just thought, what a, what a great conversation to have about how to do this well, yeah. how to be kindness to people who are experiencing grief, whether that's a parent, a child, a best friend, a spouse, whoever that is that we've lost in our life, how can we be better at being mm-hmm. kindness to people who are, are experiencing such loss and are in the midst of grief? So I think that that's awesome. I'm excited. Um, just because the topic is... Um, I don't know. I would like to say that it's sacred. I mean, people sitting inside of grief, it's a very sacred space. And even as you listen today um, and we we bring someone else into the conversation, um, let's just pray for our hearts and for us to be receptive um, so that we can be the best versions of ourselves as we walk beside people who grieve. So I'll just pray for us. God, I thank you that um, there is no conversation we can have that makes you uncomfortable that there's nothing we can talk about that you feel awkward about. Um, as the creator and giver of life, you, um, and as the creator of us, you are so well acquainted with our feelings, with our emotions, with our brokenness and with our pain. And so God, as we talk today about something that is um, sacred and hard, um, but very, very real, I pray God that you would be present in this conversation, not just mm. with us that are those who are sitting here, but with everyone that's listening and that um, people would walk away today um, anytime as they listen to this with hope um, and with the the solid cemented reminder um, that you are a good, good God, um, that you love us so deeply and that we are completely safe and can be completely real with you. Um, and we love you for that. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You well. want <laughs> let's start with the end in mind today because yeah. because of the topic of our conversation, we do want to make sure that this becomes available to anybody who might need to hear it. So yeah, you for want to sure. Get those details. We we always appreciate you guys sharing the podcast. We love hearing feedback. But um, today in particular, as we talk through this subject, we would love for you to share this with people who you think it could be a help to. Um, I think in the in the noise and the chaos of our culture and our society, um, meaning conversations can get lost. And so this is meant to be helpful. This is mm-hmm. meant to be insightful. Um, we aren't experts on anything, but the conversation, <laughs> the conversation will be real. It will be authentic. Mm-hmm. And it, we hope that um, it will draw people um, into wanting to connect with God and connect with others mm-hmm. as they walk through uh, really painful things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things I'm super excited about today is that we have one of my new friends on, Kayla Stecklin. Am I saying your last name right? Stecklin. Stecklin. I read it. I'm very visual, so I read it, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm not sure how to articulate it, but... um, We met Kayla, actually became aware of Kayla, unfortunately, over a year ago when she lost her husband, um, Andrew, and... Um, 
if you're part of Cultivate, you might remember this because we came together as the women of Cultivate to help and be kindness to Kayla um, over a year ago, last December, or almost a year ago, I should say. And through that, Kayla and I were able to connect. And our first conversation actually is what motivated today's conversation to sit down is I really wanted to meet you as a fellow pastor's wife and just be a friend if you needed one. But also I'm like, don't make her feel worse. Don't say the wrong thing. Don't be ridiculous. Don't, (laughs) you know, and I, I even think I, probably apologize. Like, I'm sorry if I said quite you a did. bit. I talked about and, the Enneagram too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, I, that's, that's the apology I'm constantly <laughs> making to people. But, um, and so for months and months, we've been trying to have you come on for that very reason is I thought, man, when I know better, I, I knew I could do better and to share that conversation. And so you have been quite busy this last year. I'm um, just doing such a good work to honor your husband husband, Andrew, mm-hmm. but also get real about mental illness and all of these kind of things. You've been quite busy, <laughs> not yeah. to mention your three little ones that you're at home and just trying to to pick up the pieces and rebuild your life and figure yeah. out your new normal. And so we're so grateful, so grateful to have you take time to be here today. And, um, you know, what I really want to have you help us do today is help us help us mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of walk through, um, and, and clearly it's been just over a year, mm-hmm. um, help, if we could do one thing, we want to help the women grow to be more um, healthier relationally. And part of that is knowing what to say or what not to say. And so my heart is that you can help us walk through the kinds of things that, that in the midst of your grief and trauma, which I know you're still in, it's not mm-hmm. that that's over or behind you, but you do have a little bit of time under you, you know, in you right now mm-hmm. that has given you some perspective for mm-hmm. sure to help us know the best things that people have said to you, things that, that really good, well-meaning people said or did that actually were painful because... That's a real thing too. And just kind of give us insight of how the rest of us can love those that we know mm. um, who are walking in grief and to do that well, because mm. we are to be the church. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus, like his love and extension of who he is. And to do that well, I think it's really good for us to know this information. So mm, yeah. um, do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, thanks for being a part of this uh, episode. Um, One of the reasons why I'm so grateful that you're here is because, um, you know, we've been in ministry for so many years. That was like, you know, what you were doing too. We meet people who show up at church because someone invited them, but they've been away from the church because someone in the church hurt them. Mm. The story that's over and over and over again, you hear it, I hear it, you've heard it, is religious people hurt me like in my woundedness, in my divorce, Mm -hmm. in my grief, in my rehab, I met a Christian who was judgmental, harsh. And, and the truth is, is while sometimes I go, why can't we do better? There's other times where I think we are trying to do better and we just don't get it right, you know? And so because we're not sure we say the wrong thing or we do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And so your insight into, you know, how we can be, how we can come alongside Mm -hmm. of people in a way that's healthy Mm -hmm. and in a way that helps them and not make, not make that about us. I think it's just going to be really good. I'm, I'm really grateful to, to hear more from you. 
I'm honored to be here. Thank you guys for inviting me on. Yeah. Okay. So to get this conversation started, first of all, for um, some people listening may be aware of you and your story um, and others may not be, but do you want to just, can you just give us like a little brief synopsis of sort of what prompted your grief, Mm -hmm. what your story is, who you are, Mm -hmm. um, mention your boys in there. Just tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah, so about a year ago, my life was completely rattled. Um, My husband was the lead pastor of a local church, Mm. and we were doing ministry together. He had been the lead pastor for three years. He was handed the baton of leadership in 2015 when his dad had passed away. So his dad was a lead pastor of our church, and Mm. they had started the church when my husband was three. So Mm. he had grown up in it and passionate about it and watched his dad lead so strong for so many years years. And unfortunately, his dad was diagnosed with leukemia in 2011. Mm -hmm. We were only married for less than a year and his dad got sick. So Andrew stepped in right away. He was 23 years old. And I remember them sitting in the hospital side by side with their computers open, planning message series together, leading the church together, booking guest speakers together, like doing it together. So he really was leading at a high capacity at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And when he was 27, right before his dad passed away, he took over the church. So Andrew was running fast, running hard for a long time, and he was so gifted. I mean, Mm -hmm. undeniably gifted Mm -hmm. and undeniably called. Mm -hmm. And I was so honored just to be a part of the ride. You know, I was Mm -hmm. just along for the ride. And I loved being a pastor's wife. I was passionate about being a pastor's wife. I loved showing up on Sunday at the first service and sitting in the front row. And like, that's my guy on stage. Mm -hmm. Like so proud to be his wife. And me and the boys, we have three little boys, um, Smith, Jethro, and Brave. Smith is six. Those names are just... <laughs> and they are precious. They no, are I love adorable. Them. You made some beautiful babies. Mm-hmm. They all look like their dad. <laughs> they all have these big blue eyes and freckles, and they're so cute. So Smith is six, Jet is five, and Brave is three. So mm-hmm. busy homes. So I was stay-at-home mom, supported mm-hmm. pastor's wife, and I'd go to the first service and then go grab him lunch and drop it in his office and then come back for the last one. And I loved our life. Like we had a beautiful life. I was living the dream. And I would I would often tell him like, I'm so thankful. Like I'm so thankful I picked you. Like I'm mm. so thankful that like I get to do this with you. Like so honored. So in the fall of 2017, after running fast and running hard for so long, Andrew just got tired, you know, and he started having panic attacks. It started with panic attacks and, And um, we actually thought that he was having a thyroid issue. At first, we thought it was his thyroid because he had struggled with some hyperthyroid issues in the past. Mm. So we sought some doctors and did some blood work. And it turns out that it wasn't his thyroid. And the panic attacks, instead of getting better, were continuing to get worse. He was having them like two to three times a week, very debilitating. He would be up all night for all hours of the night and rolling around on the floor, shaking in the bed, crying, like doing anything he could do to get them to go away and nothing would be able to touch it. So he actually ended up after Easter in 2018, he landed in the hospital and we all decided like, okay, enough is enough. Like it's obviously not his thyroids. Like there's something else going on here. So we put him on a sabbatical. Um, we did the right thing. Like we, we really did all the right mm-hmm. things. We pulled him away from ministry, mm-hmm. put him on a sabbatical, thought, man, this guy has been running so fast for so long and taking care of everything for everybody. Like he just needs to rest. Mm-hmm. And not to mention 
being thrown into, not thrown into, but like stepping into that in the midst of grief himself Mm -hmm. over his father. And he had never taken time to grieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He came back right after his dad died. I think he maybe took two weeks off Mm -hmm. and his heart was so for the church. He wanted to lead Mm -hmm. the church through their pain. So he came back and did a series on heaven. Mm. Yeah. He was amazing. Like invincible. Like I thought, you know, like this man Mm -hmm. is like invincible. So we put him on a sabbatical in April and just a few weeks later, he was diagnosed with depression. And I'll never forget sitting in the doctor's office with him when the doctor said that. And I didn't say anything. I just sat there like really stunned. And we went to the car and got in the car and I just bawled. I just broke down crying. And I said out loud to him, like, how did we get here? Mm. Like, how did we go from like leading this church and like doing this incredible thing and having this beautiful life to like sitting in a doctor's office and those words, your husband has depression are coming out of the doctor's mouth. So it was a journey, you know, he wrestled and, and struggled with depression from April to August and we were doing all the right things. He was seeing a psychiatrist every single week. We were going to counseling every single week. He did Mm -hmm. solo trips by himself. We did trips together, just the two of us, which is like really hard to do when you have a house full of kids Mm -hmm. to like get away. Little kids, especially. Yeah. And he was running to God. Like he really was running to God. Like I'd go back in the bedroom and he'd have his headphones on and he'd be crying and blasting worship music. So he was trying so hard, but it was a fight. It Mm. was a fight and there was spiritual warfare and Mm -hmm. there was all kinds of things happening. And so um, in the end of July, the doctors decided that it would be better for him to go back to work and that too much time away from work would actually be worse for his mental health. Mm. So we decided that he'd come back August 1st and he was really excited. You know, this driven, passionate guy, like he hated that this mental health, mental illness was getting in his way. So Mm -hmm. he was so excited to be back. And he told the team and told our family that he was only 65%. He knew he wasn't 100%. He knew that he wasn't all the way better Mm -hmm. and that he wanted to ease back into ministry. So he hit the ground running. He did a series called Hot Mess where he tackled mental health. I mean, he was talking about his depression. He was talking about anxiety. He gave out the suicide hotline number. Like he knew all the facts and he was helping people by sharing his own experience and being Mm -hmm. so transparent about his pain. And headed into the third week, he had a really bad day and it was kind of a trigger. And the next day, it was a Friday, He attempted suicide and we were all just completely blindsided. I mean, here's this guy that's openly talking about his struggle and we think he's getting better, like well enough to Mm -hmm. go back to work and that happens. Mm. So we asked everybody to pray and we're in the hospital. And unfortunately the doctor said there was nothing else, you know, that they could do. And so he ended up passing away the next Mm. day. Mm. So yeah, so now, you know. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Mm. thank you. It's been... It's been a journey Mm. this last year. You know, it's been such a grief journey and I'm living a life that I hate. Mm. I I didn't choose this life. I didn't choose, I chose the other life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I loved my other life. And now every single day I wake up to this life that I just got handed. Mm. So it's learning to live with this life I got handed and learning to live with the pain, with the overwhelming grief and overwhelming pain Mm. and learning to rebuild 
that beautiful life again. I call it rebuilding beautiful. Mm. And it's my mantra, you know, for this season, like, okay, I'm going to pick up all these shattered pieces mm-hmm. and slowly over time, like me and God together are going to rebuild beautiful again. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a different kind of beautiful. It's not going to look like, it's never going to look like it did before. Mm-hmm. It's going to look very different, but beauty is possible. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's, in- yeah. What what an incredible um, perspective to have. I love that phrase, rebuilding beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I also really loved, um, as I would read and follow your story throughout the last year, um, I really began to hear myself saying to my kids, God's got this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. You know, like God's I, got I've this. I've taught myself that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks to you. Like when something has happened at church or in ministry or relationally, and I feel very out of control or overwhelmed, mm-hmm. I will see, say that to myself in my mind. So that is a phrase for everyone listening that Kayla um, and her husband, I think your mother-in-law. Yeah. So it started actually when my yeah. father-in-law was diagnosed with leukemia. Okay. He pulled each of his adult kids into the room one by one and told them, I have leukemia and there's a kind you want and there's a kind you don't want. And I have the kind you don't want but God's got this. Mm. So that's where it started. Wow. And we started a blog right away to be kind of communicate the mm-hmm. leukemia journey with the church. So we've had the blog since 2011 and mm. we made wristbands with those words, mm-hmm. God's got this. And now after Andrew passed away, it was Andrew's dream to have like merchandise, mm-hmm. to have like shirts and stuff. So um, since he's passed away, we've now opened a shop and kind of all just been in mm-hmm. honor of him and mm-hmm. his dad. And that mm. those three words are so powerful. Like they are the so thing. tangible so... and powerful. Simple so and simple. yet so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But that's been really good for me. Um, okay, so in this last year, a lot I mean, you have had to start rebuilding beautiful in the public eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody's watched, everybody um has seen it because it did make such a story. Um, and I don't mean, you know, such a story in a trite kind of a way. I mean it. You know, it it rippled through and brought struck a chord. Yeah, with mm-hmm. um, so many people, and so it's one thing to grieve; it's another to grieve with everybody watching, mm-hmm. which I can't imagine um, doing. But this is what I want to say to you while you're here today: is you've done that so gracefully. Mm. I've seen Thank it done you. a lot of different ways, and I just admire and respect mm-hmm. and hope that. If I were in your shoes or if I'm when when and if or however that sounds terrible, but like I am there, you have modeled for me mm. what I hope, how I hope I would respond, mm. how I hope I would conduct myself and live my life. So you've it that's been really great. Thank you. Um so in this last year, here's here's some things I want to help our readers get to. Cause like I said earlier, we we could go off on topics of of mental health or suicide and depression, all of those things, which are really important topics. Mm -hmm. But for the sake of today, we're going to stick to how to help people care for people like you in that moment. Yeah. You know, we, we've, most people have experienced some type of grief before. Um, so in this last year, can you share some of the things personally that Mm -hmm. people said or did for you that really, helped you that that were like the words that meant the most or um the things that helped you personally the the most those kind of things Mm -hmm. 
There's one question that I think is like the best question to ask somebody who's sitting in a place of pain. And I was so surprised when someone asked me this. It was someone that I didn't know that well. And she sent me this text and her text said, how can I serve you? Mm. And I feel like it's such a beautiful question and so biblical too, Mm -hmm. of a, a question to ask people when they're hurting, how can I serve you. And there's so many ways, you know, it could be dropping off a coffee. It could be bringing over dinner. It could Mm -hmm. be picking up the boys from school. And I've had friends and family do all of those things, but it's a really beautiful question. If you Mm -hmm. have a friend that's hurting, how can I serve you? And then also the question, um, how are you holding up instead of how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Because it's easy to say, I'm okay. Yeah. And how are you doing? It's like, Awful. Thank you for asking. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like not good, actually. Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking. You, you know. want to know? Here, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Do you really want to know? <laughs> right. Right. I think they're surprised when you say awful. Yeah. I've done that before. Like I've had people ask me at school drop off and they can tell I'm not okay. And they're like, how are you? I'm like, not okay. And they're like, oh, and they walk away. Like, what do I, like, how do I? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's hard to know what to do. they're listening to this today. <laughs> most people. Because they need to. <laughs> It, because most people have a really hard time being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it's okay to be uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable isn't necessarily a bad thing, which again is why I want to have this real conversation today. Because how, what do you say? You know, mm-hmm. how, how can you be, how can you step into the uncomfortable? Because you're uncomfortable whether you like it or not. Every day. Right? Yeah. And so it's the least that the rest of us can do to be willing to experience a moment of discomfort mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. than to just leave you there all by yourself mm-hmm. is my yeah. two cents and on that. How that, are you holding up? I love yeah. that because that implies you're needing, you're needing to be held up and supported mm-hmm. because things are a mess. Mm-hmm. I love that. And like sitting with somebody in their pain and sharing in their pain is true empathy. Like true empathy is like, can I have some of that? Like you mm-hmm. look like you're hurting. Can I, can I take some of that yeah. off your mm-hmm. shoulders? And can I just sit with you? Like the best friends that I've had through this season are friends that just sit with me. They're not trying to like throw verses at me. They're not trying to pray over mm-hmm. me. They're not trying to give me advice or fix me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like sitting with me. I, my friend Kelsey, we go paddle boarding together and we'll just go out and just like mm-hmm. sit on the water on the paddle boards. And those have been some of the most healing moments for me in mm-hmm. my journey. Like just not being alone. Like I don't want to be alone. I'm alone a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to sit with friends, but mm-hmm. you want to sit with friends that can just sit in the pain and, and sit in being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, like it's hard to do. Because most people want to like wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to say it's all going to be okay. And mm-hmm. we're going to get to those parts a little yep. bit later, but yeah. absolutely. Do you have another thought on I that one? I think the best thing people can do too is talk about it. Like I think oftentimes we don't want to talk about it because it's because it's uncomfortable or because we don't know if the other person wants to talk about it or not. But I want to talk about Andrew. Like I want you to talk about Andrew. I want you to bring up Andrew. I want Andrew to come up in conversation. Mm. Like Andrew was such a part of my life mm-hmm. for so long. And he means, he still means so much to me. And I still love him so much. And he means so much to my boys. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to talk about him. So mm. please don't avoid him and don't avoid his name and don't avoid bringing him up. Because, or pretend that he didn't because, exist yeah. because he's not here anymore. Yeah, That's what I felt like. My my probably darkest or deepest grief experience was losing my dad to mm. cancer when I was 25. And I think that's the best thing people do for me is remember my dad. Yeah. 
And my husband is the best at that because he will constantly say, you know what I loved about your dad? Yes. You know, even today, even this morning, I have a picture of my dad right outside of our bedroom on this ledge. And he was like, oh, I miss your dad. When he says that, it is so healing for me even now. And it's been mm-hmm. seven, 18 years, mm-hmm. almost, almost 19 years since my dad died. Mm-hmm. And so it is remembering the person, yeah. which I think people might think that it makes it more painful, but it actually is so it's helpful mm-hmm. because it's like they mattered and they still matter. And thank mm-hmm. you for remembering them. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I, I have a couple of friends who've lost a husband or a parent or a child, I have their information in my calendar on repeat Mm. and I call text or send flowers on that anniversary every year to say they're not forgotten. Like I've just tried to make that Mm -hmm. a practice and it's only a couple people that I'm really, really close with for that very reason. Cause some people did that for me and I remember being like, thanks for remembering, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. it's just listening to you talk about it. I start to get I start to get teary-eyed because I told you before we started this, my my best friend lost her husband. Um, six kids were in the car. The car caught on fire. Just so happens, thank you, God, a volunteer fireman was driving by and was able wow. to get all of them out because then she could have lost, you know, and the whole thing was horrific. Um, but Kevin, her husband, was a huge Redskins fan. We're huge Eagles fans. They're rivals for everybody who doesn't understand football talk. I won't. I won't I'm linger back here. Out of the conversation. I won't, now I won't linger at football. I won't linger at football. But um, anyway, as as our friendship continued to grow and develop, I just started all this football talk with her boys, and so they're grown now. One, I just went to one's wedding wow. um, a few weeks ago, and we trash talk Redskins Eagles all the time. And what I love about it is they were young when Kevin died they will be Redskins fans mm. till the day they die. And it's because it was their dad, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I remember one time I said, I don't know if we should do this or not, but we're going to get together to watch a Redskins Eagles game. And I was like, this could get ugly, you know, but, <laughs> and so another friend went upstairs and came back and put on his Jersey to watch the game with his boys. Wow. And I just remember thinking, that's that's what we do. We keep mm-hmm. we keep telling them about their dad. We keep the memories. We alive. keep yeah, yeah. We just keep. This was Kevin's jersey. This was Kevin's team. This is his boys. Mm-hmm. And so we joke about it all the time because they hate the Eagles, and I'm totally fine with it. And I rag on the Redskins, and it's funny, but it's just like that's a part of him that will live on for forever. Mm-hmm. And they and they want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They want to talk about their team. They want to talk about. I mean, we go back and forth all the time. Mm-hmm. But I just remember that moment of when our friend walked down in his jersey. That's so it special. It was like it wasn't like oh, it was like no, this is good. This is good. This is his presence here with us today. And it so doesn't I love have that. to be like this big like lamenting kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. It could just be like. Hey, I'm thinking of Andrew today on his birthday or Christmas or whatever that ends up looking like. So Mm -hmm. I think that's such a good point to bring up. Yeah, huge, huge. So can you tell us anything that people said or did or directed to you that helped you spiritually through this? Because, Mm. you know, in, I mean, every loss that we experience is traumatic for sure. Mm -hmm. But I I would have to say some are more traumatic or shocking than others. Yours was one of those situations. And so I know that spiritually there has to be a wrestle with 
like even what you said of he was running to God and yet he wasn't okay. And I think that's the kind of big things God obviously can handle. He can handle you not being okay Mm -hmm. and still knowing that he's got you. But what were some of the things that were helpful for you spiritually? Um, You know, I I was sharing before we started the show that I've been listening and kind of researching about today and some podcasts. And most people said they actually didn't feel comforted when people would say, praying for you, like very, Mm. you know, like just they're not usually doing it when they say it. And I I think that's probably it. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I know I try to do, and so just to give an example of what I'm going is like, if I honestly pray for somebody, I try to text them that prayer. So they know the actual words of my heart instead of just, Mm -hmm. and so what were some spiritual ways that Mm -hmm. people ministered to you in this last year? I received so many letters and so many books. And honestly, I think books have ministered to me more and that just the Holy Spirit and God has Mm -hmm. ministered to me more than people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because I I don't have that many people around me that really understand pain. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't. I have other friends that live across the country that I've experienced now that I've connected with because of my loss that I've experienced a similar loss, but um, it's mostly been on my, my, on my own kind of Mm -hmm. spiritual journey with God. And I felt the presence of God, like so thick and so near Mm -hmm. from the very first day. Mm -hmm. Like it was so frustrating to me because I felt like, where are you God all summer when Andrew's struggling with mental health? Like, God, why aren't you stepping in? God, Mm -hmm. why aren't you healing him? God, God, where are you? And then it's like, he dies. And then now it's like, God is everywhere. It Mm -hmm. felt like. Mm, yeah. It felt like God was everywhere. Wow. And so my relationship with God just went so much deeper and so much intimate because I needed him and I still mm. need him in such a more intimate way. Mm-hmm. So that was more of a natural thing. I think for me, especially because I already had a relationship with God to start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like books and devotionals have been like the most healing part for me and having that quiet time to just sit with God. And I'm a journaler too. I, I um, write down my prayers in my journal, but streams in the desert is a beautiful devotional. Mm-hmm. Someone gifted that to me. And if you're in a season of pain, it's a beautiful, beautiful devotional. There's mm-hmm. beautiful poetry and it just talks about how God um, comes near and sits with us in our pain and that he comforts us in our pain, that he brings us peace in our pain. And every single day, I feel like it was written just for me. It's a really beautiful devotional. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few books that have been extremely helpful. Um, a book called A Grace That Disguised by Jerry Setter. I probably have 10 copies that people have given me or Setzer. It might be Setzer. Beautiful book. He lost his wife, his mom, and a child in a car accident. Jeez. A couple of his kids survived and he survived and he was in the car, but he lost them all like right away. And so he understands pain Mm -hmm. and he um, just understands loss and he understands walking it out with God. So it's a really beautiful book. You feel like you're sitting with a friend that just gets it. Mm. Um, Also, Levi Lesko's book, Through the Eyes of a Lion, has been a really beautiful book as well of um, finding purpose in the pain. And I I feel like I kind of felt that right away, just naturally with with the way that Andrew died and just the way that the media handled it and the way that I responded through Mm -hmm. writing and sharing and talking about mental health. Yeah, I agree. But um, there is purpose to be found in pain. And 
and God can use pain for good. You know, Mm -hmm. he may not take away the pain, like I'm still sitting in the pain and it still hurts just as much as it did a year ago, Mm -hmm. but he can use the pain Mm -hmm. for good. And Mm -hmm. so there's so many beautiful resources out there. And um, yeah, I haven't had as many like mentors or spiritual leaders in my life, but I've had God. Mm. No, that's that's okay. I think it, it's an important part to say how that will look for somebody. Mm-hmm. And so if you, you know, for those of us wanting to be better at, at being kindness and loving people in the grief and in the pain to maybe do those tangible things, write the letter, mm-hmm. write out your prayers, mm-hmm. because sometimes it is draining to, to even have the conversation, but you have that letter to get to when you can, when you need to, or refer back to over and over if it's something that good or to send the book, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. So I think that's a good answer. People even wrote letters to my boys to tell them about their dad. Mm-hmm. And that oh. is like the most mm-hmm. precious, special. I, I can't that. wait to give those to them one day. And like their dad impacted so many lives. Did, you yeah. know, like Andrew mm-hmm. was pastor and people looked up to him and he brought people to Jesus. So to hear all of those stories is really, that really is special. That is such a great idea. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love, I love too that how, as you just described, you know, he doesn't take the pain away. Like you're still sitting in it and yet you're experiencing his presence. And I think that's one of the things that makes what people say even more difficult because they're trying to just immediately disconnect from the pain or like wrap it up, you know, like kind of like put a bow on it and Mm -hmm. send it. And yet over and over again in scripture, we watch people walking through, walking through the process of pain and God doesn't remove it. You know, God didn't bring David's son back, Mm -hmm. but he sat with David in David's pain, you know, Mm -hmm. and the Garden of Gethsemane of of all the stories that we don't talk about. And if there's any pain, he's going to remove it. He said, if you could take this away, please do. And he did it. And so it's just a reminder that when I, I just remember Susie and I, again, my best friend, we spent this one day just talking about sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. And we le- we landed with sympathy disconnects and empathy intentionally connects. Mm-hmm. And you can just always feel the difference mm-hmm. from people that they just want to throw a sympathy bomb, which again, sometimes they just don't know how to do any better. Right. Mm-hmm. And other times empathy is like, I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk into this with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, and it makes such a huge difference. Sympathy says I care. Empathy says I share. Wow. And compassion is like I do. Mm-hmm. is an action. That's great. Yeah. That's so good. That's really good. You mentioned your friend, what was her name, that you go paddleboarding Kelsey. with? Kelsey. Kelsey. So that that's a good transition to the next question of what are some things the rest of us can learn about relational ways mm-hmm. to be present and care for and be kindness to people in our life who are grieving. So yeah. the one friend you said just comes over or you go out together and mm-hmm. there can be no words, but you're just doing this really life-giving thing for you. Mm-hmm. What are some other examples of the way um, that of something we can learn in that? I think just keep showing up. Like don't be the friend that cares a lot right away. Hmm. Like you care so much when it just happened. And then a month goes by, three months goes by, six months goes by and you stop checking in and you stop calling because your life hasn't changed that much. It didn't really alter your life, but your friend's life is all, my life is altered forever. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so the person that actually lost somebody close to them, like their life is altered 
forever. So to remember that, that like, Mm -hmm. even though your life may feel the same and you're you're going back to your everyday things, like your friend is hurting Mm -hmm. and their, their life has changed forever. So please keep showing up just like you did the first month. Mm. Please keep calling just as much as you did the first month. Like the best thing my friends have done is just call me. I have Mm -hmm. friends that'll call me on the weekly just to check in. And if I don't answer, they leave a voicemail and say, hey, thinking about you, like praying for you, want to talk to you and check in and see how you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I have three or four friends that'll do that weekly or send a text, you know, but even the phone call, I feel like a phone call means so much more than a text (laughs) because we so don't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. A text is just so easy. We could text anybody. A phone call is like sending flowers now. Yeah. Like it's that that really big deal. Or it's like, what's wrong? Why are you calling me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember that when my dad died. Um, And again, that's my biggest like attachment to grief was that because my dad was my best friend in the world. And I was younger, you know. Um, But I remember the first like five-ish weeks... I had gone probably at that point in life, five weeks without seeing my dad. So for the first five weeks that he was gone, it almost felt like, well, we're just not, we just haven't seen each other. Mm -hmm. But then like week six, seven, eight, nine, 10, month three, month four, you know, it was like, oh, Mm. you know, kind of a deal. And, um, And so that's when it is, it's like, oh yeah, they're, this is the way it is now kind of a deal. And in the beginning, when everybody was all over us, and I say that, it sounds bad. I, I don't mean it that way, but it almost was was more than I could handle. Mm-hmm. It was overwhelming because I was just trying to like get my own bearings and deal with the details. There's so many details right in yes. the beginning that you have to manage um, that it was when like, for lack of a better word, like the lights went off and everybody kind of went back to there that I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like I need, like you're saying, I need people to show up now, but everybody's gone home and gone on. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's so important to remember. Mm. And I think at the beginning, what was so helpful to me is that I had a crew of people, they called themselves Kayla's care team that kind of just came together. It was friends, a few staff members, Mm -hmm. a few volunteers from the church that just came together and handled all the stuff that was coming in. They opened every single letter and Mm pre-read every single letter that came in. They started a GoFundMe for our family. They would drop off the stuff that came in like little by little. They Mm -hmm. didn't want to overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. So it would pre-read everything if it passed their, you know, if it passed the <laughs> to test. To be honest, when we sent our card to you, I thought you would never see it. I saw, I know. So when you responded, I was like, <laughs> oh. It passed the test. <laughs> it went through. <laughs> yeah. So it was so helpful to not be inundated with mm-hmm. all the flowers and all the gifts and all the cards and all the books, like mm-hmm. all at once. It was just like a little at a time. Mm-hmm. And so to have somebody or a friend or a family member on that for you and like yeah. filtering that for you, because sometimes people can say insensitive things like we're talking about today, like you don't want to open the card that says the insensitive thing. So to have mm-hmm. somebody pre-read that for you and that make is sure such that it's good safe. advice for Huge. the rest of us. Huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And it reminds us to maybe step up and be that person if we need to be. Mm-hmm. Because I know for me, and again, we're going to get to this part, but one of the harder things was people wanting me to make big decisions about things that I didn't. Like, what do you want me to do with all these letters? I don't know. Like, figure it out. Decide. <laughs> yeah. And and so some yeah. people may need to do that. And on the end, just say, I'm sorry if that didn't go how you wanted. But mm-hmm. I was, you know, because it is a good thing. And so to give people courage to mm-hmm. maybe step up. step up and do it in that way. Without being asked. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. 
Okay, you've mentioned some of... Did you have any more you wanted to say on the relational before I move on? With the kids, with mm. having kids. Okay. Because that adds oh, a whole just yeah. another layer, like your friend with six kids. I can't imagine six, I have three. Mm. And I feel like that's a lot. Um, <laughs> so with having kids and grieving, like the best thing some of my friends have done is just like text me and say, hey, I'm getting the boys from school today. It's not even like asking. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, I'm picking up the boys I'm from school today. Lie. I actually love that <laughs> now <laughs> when I'm out grief. Tenny, my friends who'd like to pick up my 16 year old who can't drive. Right. Um, <laughs> but but so especially helpful. in that season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like guys taking interest in them because they're boys and because their father's gone. Like my friend's husband's like picking them up and taking them rock climbing with their little guys or taking them to the beach, you know, and like taking special interest. That's been a prayer for me is that there would be a family and especially a dad that would take special interest in each of my boys. And so far, Smith's got somebody and Jet's got somebody and Brave's still little. And I know Mm -hmm. that God will have somebody for him too. But that's been such a beautiful gift to me and Mm -hmm. and helped me in my grief to know that there are other men that are going to fill in the gaps, not like their dad. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be like their dad, but they're going to fill in the gaps and Mm -hmm. be a positive role model in their life. Yeah. Helping with the kids and, mm-hmm. yeah. and pouring into the kids mm-hmm. has been incredible. I love that. When, um, just, you know, talk about my friend Susie, I was really connected with her oldest daughter who just graduated from college, by the way. And um, she was only in fifth grade. And so right the week it happened, she said, hey, um, I said, what, I'm going to come take Mason. We're going to go get our nails done, went out to eat. And as we're sitting there, again, it's through the mind of a child. Um, we're just talking about life and she just said, it's just really weird. My dad died and people think we don't have food anymore because <laughs> she just saw people coming. <laughs> she just saw from a little girl, like mm-hmm. people just keep bringing potlucks and casseroles. And so <laughs> she goes, it's just weird. They, My dad died and they don't think we have food. And I was like, how precious, like just as she's processing and what mm-hmm. she's seeing. Um, but I loved, you know, Susie was very intentional about connecting her kids with people uh, to just get out of the house and do things with mm-hmm. um and it was, it was special and it was precious. And it's so special when you have multiple kids to have them have that one-on-one yeah. time too, mm-hmm. where it's just their special family mm-hmm. or just their special day. Mm, you that's know? great. Yeah. That's good. I'm taking all this in like, mm, okay, I want to remember this, to be able to do that for people. We had a guy in our church that passed away cancer pretty quickly this last year. And he has this, two sons, but one of them's our son's age, which is how we knew the family. And the boys played both played basketball. And so Matt has been able to really like try to be at important things for these boys or at least speak into them, um, text them to catch up kind of a deal. Because, and, and again, it brings it home when it's like, that's Ethan's dad mm. in someone else's world. You know, when you look at that age and that time and just, so I love that people have so done that. Much. And so I think it's a reminder to all of us to make sure that we're mindful and intentional to to be able to be show up in that way for people when yeah. they're in grief and not and not just I mean because grief is going to be a part of who you are for the rest of your life. Yeah. It'll probably look different as we know, um, but as soon as you're all all better, I say that in air quotes, to not go oh well, they're all better now. So I know I've been investing in these boys for the last few years, but 
they don't need me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to that, re- that relationship's going to mean something to them for mm-hmm. the rest of their life. And so when you start doing this, don't overdo it so much that you can't maintain it yourself right. because the maintaining it and the longevity is going to be so important to to the family that you're or the person that you're trying to love on and i think the church can be such a key role in all of that like getting your if you're if you are grieving and you lost a spouse or you lost somebody and getting your kids into youth group and into mm-hmm. church and because mm. i mean those are positive role mm-hmm. models the small group leaders and the leaders oh, yeah. like right away yeah you know that'll pour into them and love them and yeah yeah absolutely Okay, the last thing on things that we can do and the things that best ministered or made you experience the kindness of others practically. You've mentioned a couple things, like yeah. people gave books and stuff, but just yeah. what are some of the practical, tangible things that people did that just really ha- have helped carry you mm-hmm. in this first year of grief? Another one with the kids um, would be like taking the kids for a weekend. Like that's practically giving me rest. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, let me have them for the weekend. Like, you know, it's been, that's been really, really helpful. Also, um, in the beginning, people just delivered Costco. You know, they would go to Costco and get like snacks and waters and food and not want to stay, but just drop it off at the house. That is key. Mm-hmm. Huge. The not wanting to stay. Yeah, don't it, stay. It's not. <laughs> it really isn't rude, but we, you know, when Sandals was much, much smaller, that would be such a bigger thing of like, I would organize food drop off and I would always like try to coach people of this isn't you having dinner with them. Mm-hmm. It's you saying, here's your dinner. Please know how much we love you and care for you. Yep. And you go, even if they say, no, stay, no, sit, because the person's going to feel a kindness. Yes. Like that's a natural reaction to like want to include or whatever, mm-hmm. but don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we set a cooler up outside Susie's house. Smart. It was just like, and people just came and she'd come home. Like, like a drop box? Yeah. A There's idea. a chicken pot pie. The drop zone. <laughs> You're going to see the drop zone on the porch. <laughs> drop it in, knock twice, get in your car, drive away. <laughs> no, that's really Smart. good. Again, yeah. I think that that's what you're, what you're communicating. This is so good for people to listen to. Um, people think that this is what's most helpful. Mm -hmm. And now what you're saying is actually (laughs) that's not what's most helpful. And it really helps us evaluate our motive. Mm -hmm. I just want to be there for her. I just want to, I just, so much of what you just said was I, Mm -hmm. what does, Mm -hmm. what does Kayla need? You know, what does so-and-so need? They might not, they might not need you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they might need the fact that you can bake a pie, you know, and be, if you're open-handed with that, then God can use you more than if you're just trying to be in all of the things. And practically what's been so much better than people dropping off the casserole or the food has been gift cards. Like I've had people that like own a Chick-fil-A or know somebody that owns a Chick-fil-A and they hand me like a huge stack of like free kids meals. <sighs> Your boys are like <laughs> praise. <laughs> but that's like, that's, that's just so like a little much. goodness from the Lord, right? There. And it's like his hand Just don't get that craving on a Sunday. You'll have to hold on to that. Because <laughs> my boys aren't going to eat a casserole and I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not going to eat a casserole either, you know? So the gift cards have been like How one of the most. How many meat casseroles did you get? Actually, not too many because they knew. She's a vegetarian. oh man i think you've mentioned lots of things the gift cards the starting the gofundme or contributing to the gofundme um carpooling with the kids bringing food 
and offering you real rest. Um, so I think those are all really practical things. Um, this last part I want to hit on are we all get into just like wanting to say something, which I, I do think it's better to err on saying something and maybe being clumsy or getting it wrong than saying nothing at all. Because, um, well, sometimes I don't know. <laughs> I take that back <laughs> because because I felt this way and I've heard other people say that sometimes it's awkward when you don't even acknowledge that there's a hard thing. So I mm-hmm. think it's a fine line to walk. But what are like some of the helpful things that people said, like the little one liners that. Mm-hmm. If you if you had that are helpful, hand. yeah, that were helpful. We're gonna get into the not helpful. That <laughs> we're gonna get. We're gonna get really. I'm gonna real throw myself under the bus when we talk about that. <laughs> we're going along today. Buckle <laughs> up, buckle up, everybody. If you've gotten Listen to, to your destination, two parts if you want. <laughs> I think the most helpful thing that people have done is like what you said, like not talking much, but asking questions. Like learn to be mm. a really good question asker. Mm-hmm. And ask questions that go below the surface, Mm. like ask questions like, hey, what are you learning about God in this season? Or like, hey, what has been the most painful moment for you in this week? Mm. Hey, where do you- To make it real like specific too. So you're not having to like dig deep and I mean, not dig deep, but just like come up with this big argument, but like- and also it can be about like a different than pain. It can be something other than pain. Be like, hey, you know what? One of the best questions someone asked me early on in my journey was, hey, what are your dreams? Hmm. Like, it's okay to dream beyond. Shout out to Bob Goff. Yes, that was Bob. <laughs> like, but it's okay, you know, to like ask Bob those Goff, questions. I, <laughs> I was so surprised when he asked me that because it's not a typical question that people ask in grief. But, but green, what it did was crack that window open for like, you. Oh, like, I can dream. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, I'm not going to be in this place forever. He's so mm-hmm. great. So remembering that the person <sighs> that grieves. <laughs> remembering that the person that grieving is a person mm. that mm-hmm. has dreams mm-hmm. and that has aspirations and that this grief doesn't define who they are. It's right. part of who they are now. And the loss of this relationship. I mean, being married is such a, an incredible and important relationship but it's not all God created you mm-hmm. for. And that with that ending and changing doesn't mean like, well, there it went. There <laughs> there my life mm-hmm. went. And some people can get really stuck in that because they forget, no, God created you. You apart from Andrew, you apart from your, even your parents or anyone else in your world because he meant for you to be here and mm-hmm. purposed you. And so that question just kind of like cracks that that window open of, hey, remember like, your life didn't end. Mm-hmm. Your future didn't end. I love that. And really what good. do you hope for? I have yeah. a friend that's also keeps texting me and like, like think about what you're hoping for. Like mm. without vision and without hope, like you're not going to get anywhere. Like where, where do you see your life going and what do you hope for? Yeah, really beautiful questions to ask somebody that's hurting because there is so much more to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't the place I'll be sitting in forever. And I'm sitting in even a much different place than I was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was interesting to me to, um, I, was, I, I was reading a few things and something that I came across was um, a lot of times in grief, we, we talk a lot about heaven, which is great because it, it is our hope. It is our destiny. Um but, you know, again, hearkening back to my friend, I got to quit saying hearkening. It makes me sound like I'm 67. I don't know what I mean. It's I've like never looking- heard that word before. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> Asking for a friend. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's like a Christmas song. Circling back. 
circling back yet. It is. We yeah. Um, but she was like, I want to talk about life on earth too. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. he's in heaven and I want my kids to know that and I want them to have questions answered about heaven. But we're on earth and we have mm-hmm. earthly life yet to live. Yes. And um That's purpose by God. That, yeah. Yeah. And so but that kind of freed people up to not always talk about isn't are you grateful for the promise of heaven? Yes, of course, mm-hmm. but we're still here on earth, mm-hmm. you know, doing earthly things. Mm-hmm. Um, but giving people the freedom and the license to go yes to that and, and to now mm-hmm. <laughs> where we're at. So mm-hmm. super good. Yeah. Do you have any more to add to that? And then I'm going to add a couple that I wrote, jotted down from some of my research. Hmm. How yeah. about I, I say those and then you tell me yeah, you do what it. you think. Okay. And I'll tell you guys what Kayla's face is like when Tammy says these. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the helpful things that I researched that most people said were the most helpful to say to them were, I'm here for you if you need me, however you need me. Because what that does is is makes keeps it about you instead of them. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we if if we're not needed, maybe we take it personal. We need to remember with people in grief, it's not about us at all. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. at all, and be okay with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like maybe we get our feelings hurt because we're not texted back immediately or called back or included in whatever. Like you know what? In like it's, it's not about you. It's really <sighs> not, and none of it's personal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. None yeah. of it's personal. So that's if you such need a better me, thing to how say. You need me. Better mm-hmm. thing to say than let me know if you need anything. Because mm. that's making them do something. Right. So I love that. Like okay. here for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Does that if make it and feel? How? Yeah. My question is when someone says, because we just, that's a kind of like an automatic, let, let me know if. But does that make it feel like a burden? I'm not going to let you know if I need anything. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, it feels awkward and I don't want to be needy. And, I don't want to be and a I don't burden. Know what I need. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Um, if, if you have to say something, it's better to say something than nothing. This is where I'm going to get to that. So if you have to say something, but you don't know what to say, instead of saying nothing, say things like death sucks. And that is it. Don't elaborate like, or this really sucks. I love that. Um, this is hard and I hate this. Mm. Just that enough instead of, we're going to get into the what not to say. I think we're going to do a part two on this yes. one. I, that's what um, I was just thinking. Let's just keep going. And we'll do a part two. You don't need them to tell you that it doesn't suck. You yeah, don't need them to try to fix the suck. It's what's already floating in the air. Yeah. <laughs> in the atmosphere. Just saying it out loud. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that's comforting. Um, what oh. about swearing? Because that's just kind of where I sit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep going. Yes, Melody. <laughs> Um, you've, you've hit on this and I actually, I think I talked about this too and you with the football, but to tell stories or memories is something really great to say to somebody of like, and this is one of the things that Matt does about my dad so well is like, I loved golfing with your dad, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So what your favorite things about that person is just keeps their impact and their value alive, especially to the person, um, remember them. Um, like I said, I kind of have that, that calendar reminder for a few people 
on my thing, remember them on their birthday. Like I have this one older lady um, that I know in church and on her wedding anniversary and on Valentine's Day, Matt and I send her flowers mm. and say, you are loved mm. um, kind That's of a special. deal. So remember that person um, because she doesn't have somebody else in her life. Now she's probably not going to, that's not a choice she wants to make again. She's older. And so to say like, Hey, Valentine's isn't for everybody else. Mm -hmm. It's for you too. Cause you're loved. Mm -hmm. Um, so to remember them. And even in this day and age, like doing that through social media too, like it's, it's Andrew's birthday and his friends are all posting pictures of Today's him. Today's his birthday? No, no, no. Oh. But like, <laughs> no, like, but oh my gosh, when I'm those sorry. things, <laughs> no, no, no. it's in May. When those things happen, like, mm -hmm. you know, when it's the one year anniversary, like yeah. I was so pleasantly surprised. We just hit the one year a few mm -hmm. weeks ago and I was so surprised when everybody was posting things about Andrew and it was actually really healing and helpful mm -hmm. to me to be like oh man they remembered him too mm -hmm. and it's as simple as posting an Instagram story or like a post to your Instagram feed that's like this is my friend Andrew and today mm -hmm. you know has been a year and it's been a really hard year and I miss him so much like yep. to know that we're not the only ones that are missing mm -hmm. them and mm -hmm. we're not the only ones that remember that they mm -hmm. left yeah, I love that. Yeah. I saw on your Instagram that was it Andrew's brother mm -hmm. like took your boys out to do something that Andrew would have done with them or used to do with them, something like that? On the one year? Uh, around that time or recent, maybe recently. It might not have been on the one year, but I thought how special of that mm -hmm. because, you know, and again, I'm an outsider looking at Instagram, mm -hmm. but to think like his brother's to step in and be like, I'm not their dad, but yeah. Andrew's in his brother. I mean, yeah. they share DNA. They share DNA with your boys yeah. and probably mannerisms and sense of oh, humors yeah. and all of those kind of things. So I thought that was so special He's for him. He's like to, the best guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, been such a gift. Yeah, he'll pick up one, like one of the kids or a few of the kids from school and just take them on a special day. He mm -hmm. just had Brave, him and his wife had Brave on Saturday and just took him to the beach and had just a Brave day. Mm -hmm. And he loved it. Brave was so excited. Yeah. yeah. He cares a lot about those little guys and it's been a gift. That's really yeah. sweet. Um, and then we already hit on this last one to check in for the long haul mm -hmm. um, because after the initial shock and grief and details and then when life starts going on for everybody, that can actually be the hardest period of grief for the yeah. person grieving because they feel forgotten and life's moved on and it's the next thing. And um, that's when loneliness and heartache can yep. set in the worst. So to to be in it for the long haul, and there's really no excuse for the rest of us anymore mm -hmm. because we can put alerts on our phone. Yeah, it's true. you know, every other month, like like if it's someone you just want, you don't want to be overbearing or being like ah, you know, mm -hmm. in the same way. But to to just keep make the longevity mm -hmm. a part of your routine and intentionality. If it's someone you're not naturally running into in carpool circle or whatever to just check in. Yeah. Um, because there there can be a fine line of like, I know I find myself in this weird place of like when something like that happened, like even, even with you, like we wanted to be able to minister and like show kindness to you, but not like exploit it for ourselves, or be like, mm -hmm. everybody's posting it. We're going to post it too. Mm -hmm. Like there's just a weird fine line in that. And so to just figure out a way to care for without making it about us. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what it was like, Andrew's death wasn't about us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but we, we just wanted to be kindness in that moment. And so I think the longevity and the, the checking in, and I even recently said like, I've been trying to 
back off a little bit and you were like, no, check in. I was like, okay, that was good for me to hear, <laughs> you know, because um, I too don't want to be like all over, <laughs> all mm-hmm. over you were like, back off, girl. <laughs> so yeah, I'll remember that too. Um, I kind of am feeling like, why don't we wrap it up here and we're going to do uh, part two of this where we're going to really get into the what not to do, which is really the meat of this. Oh, can we please call it how to not suck when someone's in grief? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're going to do that. So stay tuned. Make sure you guys listen to our part two episode of how to be kindness to someone who's in grief. Yeah. Um, with our special guest, Kayla Stuckline. Stuckline. You got it. <laughs> Way to go. Good hit. Okay. <laughs> Bye.